Let us break bread. Let us. And by break bread, you mean drink our spindrifts. Yeah. Drink our spindrifts. Cheers. Smoke these trees. Burn these trees. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, buddy. Dude, so let's just get right into it. I have had a fucking hell of a week. And I learned a lot about myself. And I also had panic attacks. And I also was probably the some, maybe the most stressed I've ever been in my life. Or at least in recent memory. <laughs> All of this ties in with its, within itself. Um, but let me go ahead and just tell you the story. And then I'm going to tell you this realization that I had about myself. Um, that I think is going to be pretty important on, on my journey to becoming the best Andrew that I can be. For the new uh, listeners out there, this is my friend Andrew Harrison, and he needs to tell you some things I today. To, I want to tell you a little story. <laughs> he wants so, to talk about some things. I'll, I love to talk about myself. <laughs> if you've ever listened to this podcast, then you know that. And if you're new here, you're learning that right now <laughs> in real time. Uh, so this is a very much like a first world problem story. Uh, I am currently, for those of you who don't know, I have a basement in my house that is like a separate apartment that I rent out. Um, for the longest time, I was just a friend living humble down there. Humble brag. I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's not even humble. I'm not even being humble about it at all. I'm actually, it's, it's just a straight up brag. It's just a flex. It's just a fucking flex, yeah. No, I have an ADU. I have an ADU. That's what we call them here in Oregon. And uh, listen, yeah, so for the longest time, it was a friend that lived down there. For the last, you know, several months, it's been... Uh, someone that I found on Craigslist and she's very nice and she's a great tenant. No problems with her whatsoever. I did tell her that, uh, you know, sometime in January and it ended up not starting until February, but I was like sometime in January, I'm going to be, uh, completely renovating the bathroom. I'm trying to make this, the bathroom is was shitty down there. I'm trying to make it super nice so that I don't really have to do much work to this rental again for like the next decade. You know, I'm just going to like, setting it setting myself up for success so i've been saving to do this for like a year and a half it's you know anytime you renovate anything i mean it's just kind of a stressful process working with contractors is awful i don't know where they find these fucking people i don't know how someone who is so thoughtless and inconsiderate decides they want to become a contractor but it seems like those people that's where they end up This dude, uh, you know, I don't even think he's like not malicious or anything. He's just kind of a he's just kind of inconsiderate, like he just is. And I had a conversation with him when he right before he started demoing the bathroom. So it's a big bathroom; it's a lot of tile. So I was like, it's going to be dusty. And I was like, there's someone that lives down here. Okay, so the importance that you uh, contain the dust and the debris to the bathroom and have it not bleed over into the living space, it is fucking crucial i will pay for whatever i need to pay for for you to have the materials to to pull this off okay but it cannot be a dusty mess like her kitchen is down here like her bedroom is down here we have to contain it we have to it is so important and he was just like yeah i got it don't worry um so you know he starts the demoing i noticed that like i had talked to him about you know you should set up some kind of plastic situation so that like everything is just like plasticed off so that like we can just rip that plastic off and like good as new. I noticed he didn't do that. Uh, and he was just like, yeah, I mean, I'm keeping the door closed with a towel under the door. So like, how's the dust going to get out? And I was like, fair enough. Good You're point. the guy that does this. Yeah, exactly. I was like, all right. I mean, it seems like you're being kind of lazy because I just asked you to do this because it's really important that there's doesn't get dust everywhere. But 
you know, I am also paying you by the hour and, uh, fuck it, whatever. Like I need this done quickly as well. So I, he seemed very confident that it wasn't going to be an issue. So after the first day of demoing, I was like, I go down there to check it out and I'm like, damn, it's pretty dusty, but it's not like fucking horrible, but I was like, it's definitely dusty. So that was on Tuesday. And so I immediately was just like, you know, went to the tenant and I was like, Hey, they did not contain the dust as well as I thought they, they would. I don't think it's awful, but I'm going to go ahead and schedule a cleaner to come Thursday or Friday. As soon as I can get the people that I use to clean my house for, because I trust them. I know they'll do a great job. The soonest I could get them was Friday morning, which ended up working out because he, he ended up working through Thursday, even though he said he was going to be done by Wednesday. That's the other thing about this guy. He's like, oh yeah, I'll be done by Tuesday. And then fucking Thursday rolls around. He's still there. Unreal. Anyways, Wednesday, uh, the last bit that they had to do was like, there was a bunch of tile that was like really, really stuck to the cement. And so they were like grinding that shit out. And so it was, this is the dustiest day. And, uh... Yeah, I go down there after they're done and I'm like, oh Jesus, like it's bad. Like I can, I can, I'm breathing it in, in the living room, you know, like I can, t and I was just like, fuck, this is really bad. And he was like, oh, don't worry. Like I'll, I'll, I'm coming back later to finish up some paint. And then he's like, I'm going to give it a nice wipe down. Like we're going to, it'll be all good. I'll open up the windows, like wipe it all down. We're going to be fine. And then the dude just never came back. He just decided that his, he was like, oh, I ended up not being able to make it back. And I was like, cool. Well, your job wasn't done here. And so my tenant who, again, she is very sweet. She's very considerate. She's been super chill throughout this whole process, which has a big impact on her. I mean, I'm not charging her rent right now, but still like, it's a lot. A lot of other people would, would have freaked out like way worse. And she had every right to be upset because she goes down there and it's just a fucking dusty mess. I have, you know, I lent her my nice air purifier. She has one running. They're running at full capacity the whole time because like, you know, the sensors are just like, it's just, and there's dust on everything that she owns. There's dust on all of her food. There's dust on this everywhere. Cause this fucking dude just like didn't. And then I'm texting him about it and he's like, oh yeah, I mean, you know, it's impossible to keep it at zero. The dust was coming out from underneath the walls. And I'm like, right. So you said that closing the door was going to be good enough. And then now you're saying, no, of course that wouldn't be good enough. It goes, it goes underneath the walls. So the fuck is your problem? Like I'm super upset at this guy. Yeah. Uh, and then my tenant starts texting me and like, she has never communicated with me like this before. She's being super curt, super blunt. And she's, she's super upset. And she's just like, all my shit is covered in dust. Like this is completely unacceptable. You said you were going to set clear expectations with this contractor and then you didn't. So if he's coming back tomorrow, like, and you can't set clear expectations with him, then I will. And like, uh, you know, she was like, I can't have him in my bedroom tomorrow because I need to keep my cat down there because I have big client meetings and like all this stuff. She's sort of like, she's stressed as fuck. Yeah. So me, I don't know what you know about the Enneagram. Anything? The who? The who now Enneagram. It's a, it's a rating system from not even a rating system. It's a point system from one to nine. It's not a point system either. It's just like a personality system okay. from one to nine. All right. Uh, there are these nine different personality types and unlike, uh, astrology or like the Myers Briggs or whatever, like it's actually pretty, pretty legit. Um, and the whole point is that you kind of have a little bit of all of them to, to a degree, you know? Yeah. But anyways, there's nine numbers. I am a number nine, which is uh, sometimes called the peacemaker. 
essentially just like I don't like conflict. I try to avoid conflict. I don't like to make people and I don't want to know that I'm the villain in someone else's story. Yeah, buddy. Uh, you know, if there is conflict and I can and I can resolve it, I will do everything within my power to resolve it or I will just try to avoid it at all costs mm-hmm. ever even getting there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we call that a people pleaser and it can be a really bad thing. Right. Um, uh, specifically for me. So in this scenario, she is kind of losing it on me a little bit. And again, rightfully so. Yep. Um, it's mostly the contractor's fault, but like, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I was very busy and I just like, I should have put my foot down with this guy and been like, listen, motherfucker, this is what you're doing. To, period. Yeah, like and I just, I didn't do that. Yeah. So that was hundred percent on me. The rest of it is on that asshole though. And uh, so as she's texting me and like, I am picking up on like how insanely stressed out she is. Um, you know, I just start like taking on all of that stress and I'm just like, Oh no, like, I don't know what to fucking do about this right now. Yeah. Like I can't really remedy this situation to the point where, uh, I was hanging out with somebody at the time, just like uh, an out outdoor walk through the neighborhood uh, and she's texting me and it sort of derailed our conversation. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I got this drama going on. I got to I got to be on top of this and respond to this person. And, uh, yeah, at one point I was like, yo, you think I should just like, maybe I should just get her like a hotel room or an Airbnb. <laughs> and this person who knows me very well was like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Like you, uh, you know, you've opened up the main house to her. You've told her she's welcome to spend as much time as she wants up there. You offered her the couch or an air mattress for sleeping if she needs it. You're not charging her rent yeah. this for an entire month. Yeah. Uh, to help. Like, she was like, you've already done plenty. Like, you now offering this hotel. Like, this is just ridiculous. It's, this is the people pleaser side of you. You know, you can't stand that somebody is, like, upset with you. And so you're just going to try to, like, fix it with money. And I thought that was really interesting and I was grateful that that friend was there because uh, otherwise I probably would have caved and just been like, I booked you, I booked you a hotel room like for two nights. I'm so sorry. Like at the Ritz Carlton. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. They do allow cats. Um, Yeah. So, and then the next day when the contractor came, I was like, there was this rage part of me that was like, I'm going to chew this dude out. Yeah. Like no one has ever been chewed out before. Yeah. He pulls up in this U-Haul because he's about to haul all of the, like, shit from the bathroom that he tore out to the dump. It's like 2,000 pounds worth of stuff. So he pulls up a U-Haul. He's got his fucking arm in a cast. And he's like, I broke my arm. That's why I couldn't come back yesterday. (laughs) I was just like, oh. Word. And it's like, I really wish you, I don't know, had, like, said that. So I didn't spend half a day being like, fuck this motherfucker and having fake arguments with you in my head because that's very reasonable. You broke your arms. You, yeah, you didn't come back. And the fact that you're back here today to one arm move 2000 stuff, 2000 pounds worth of shit from my driveway into a U-Haul and then take it to the dump and unload it by yourself is like fucking crazy. Right. You know, that's actually like very thoughtful that you not didn't just be like, <laughs> sorry, I don't have to wait till next week and like yeah. push the project back further. Yeah. So uh and then, you know, on Friday as well, you know, I had the cleaners come and it, it seems like the situation is all resolved. But I've really realized that like part of the people there's another element of the people pleasing that I think I wanna like explore a little bit more. And I think that that is I have um very extreme empathy 
So like mm. when she was super stressed out about this situation, there was no way for me to detach myself and just be like, God, that's terrible. But like, it's going to be fine. I got the cleaners coming on Friday. She's gonna have to suffer through it for one night, but like, it's going to be okay. Um, you know, and like, and recognize too that it's like I I did pretty much everything within my power to try to avoid this, right. and it just it didn't work out, and it's yeah it's just it's shitty, but like it was sort of unavoidable, and like you know I was ignorant to how much dust this was going to create all of that. <laughs> Instead, I just like I could not, I could not detach myself and allow myself to like see the situation. I was basically in the situation as her, because mm. sometimes I think in those extreme situations, like my empathy is so strong that I actually start literally feeling like the person that is on, you know, the other person in the scenario happened very recently too. When I broke up with my girlfriend and just like, I knew it was something I needed to do. It was really difficult for her. And as such, like that was the most difficult part for me was that I was like feeling the pain that I caused her, not just from like a, you know, and there was this as well, this like, Oh, I feel really guilty for causing this person pain, but it was also like, I am in pain because I feel the pain mm. that I caused this person because like, I care about this person. I'm close to this person. I love this person, you know? Um, and I think that was a really helpful realization for me because I've, I've realized that like, I think that in conjunction with the people pleaser thing is like kind of a gnarly fucking combo and leads me to some, yeah, it leads me to some rough situations where either I do something very extreme to try to right a perceived wrong as opposed to just like standing in the reality of the situation of like sometimes shit doesn't work out. Sometimes things don't go our way. Sometimes shit's just out of our control and like and sometimes it's not really our responsibility to fix it. Um, but I think that I yeah, I will either go to extreme lengths to try to fix something that like really isn't my responsibility to fix. It's the other person's or like I'll just shut down completely because of the overwhelming feelings that I have of being like so empathetic with this person. And I, and I don't want to say this as like a, Oh, I have some kind of like fucking, you know, empathy superpower or some shit. I just do think that like, and, and again, I don't even think it's necessarily like a positive thing. I don't think I use it for good. I think mostly I just beat myself up with it. But now that I've sort of recognized that I feel like I'm going to be, better in the future at recognizing a situation where it's like oh i think i'm just having like a major empathy flare-up right now and i need to like sit with that and do some evaluating before i let this thing just totally fucking pummel me into the ground because that's what happened to me this week is it just like it basically shut me down to the point where like thursday i just had like i had a panic attack the kind of panic attack you have where like you start losing your vision I was driving to go get lunch and like my fucking eye muscles were twitching and I was like, holy shit, like this is fucking wild. And like, I could not focus on this podcast I was listening to. Yeah. And I was like, I got to get home and I got to fucking get myself into bed. Deep Cause waters. like, yeah, this is uh this one's going to be, this one's going to be a heavy one. And it was, um, so yeah, that was my week. That was my self, my little self realization mm. that I had was this realization that I was like, oh, I think I take on other people's stress. I take on other people's negative emotions a lot, uh, especially if I'm somehow tied to them, you know, or, or if I'm a perceived cause of them. Yeah, suffering. I take yeah. it on to such mm. a degree that like it just fucking destroys me, and it's so. It's something that absolutely has to be like 
harnessed and reckoned with and cannot just be like, I can't just let it to continue to go unchecked. Otherwise, you know, it's a super stressful situation like this week may completely derail my week. Like took two days from me. Yeah, dude, that shit's rough. It's, uh, it's hard to find the balance like in that being the people pleaser thing or just even like, um, figuring out how to suffer in solidarity, but not like letting it drown you. And then also like, you know, when you, when you do have some, uh, some effect on what that, that tenant is going through, you know, because you did trust the, the person that it was just going to go right and everything. This isn't like, yeah. And I did, ignorantly promise her that like I was like the impact is going to be very minimal I had a, a very clear conversation with the contractor and, and stressed the yeah. importance of this to him for sure and then yeah it didn't go my way but um anyways you're saying oh, I was just saying like that can even be even more difficult you know when you do have some sort of you know piece to play in it sure but then you know if that was just uh speaking outside of those things where you're just having those extreme empathetic moments for other people's um, things that they're going through and whatnot, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, you gotta, it's, it's like I was saying, it's just hard to find that balance. I think sometimes and not, not get real caught up in it and not let it totally affect your shit. And I think it like, it should like affect your shit in a sense of like putting things into perspective for you or like, you know, if you need to hold space for somebody and whatnot, I think those are all like really great things that there's a time and a place to have yeah. a lot of empathy, Yeah, but even holding space for someone, it can be difficult to hold space for someone. <laughs> if you, if you are just empathizing with them to such an extreme degree, mm-hmm. you know, I think empathy is really powerful for learning about other people's stories and perspectives and like trying to walk a mile in their shoes, so to speak. Right. But I think when you, when you have a friend who is going through a really difficult time, you can't really effectively hold space for them if you're just going to be deep in the fucking empathy throws because then you're, you don't have the strength to hold space for them because you're feeling all of their pain. Yeah. And that's sort of the difference between, you know, God, there was... Uh, a long time where I feel like and maybe even just until recently like I intellectually understood the the difference between empathy and sympathy right sympathy being that you uh, understand what someone is feeling uh, so you can sympathize with their plight and empathy being like you feel what they feel Um, and yeah that's a huge like there's a key difference there which is that uh, yeah, empathy sounds like the thing that you should do all the time, right? right? It sounds like, well, you should always just empathize with people because that's that's going to be better for you. And then it's like, no, sometimes you should just sympathize with people because if you empathize with every single person's, like everybody's going through something, you cannot like function in this world and be that full of empathy. Like right. it's just going to bring you down. So, or if you do, you know, or you have to like, uh, up level yourself to fucking godlike status so that you can hold all of that much all that pain and suffering within yourself yeah which i don't think mo- most of us can't so that's a big takeaway for me it was just like oh, i need to really i need to work on my sympathy skills and i need to learn how to like 
keep my empathy in check uh, for certain scenarios so that I don't just get like hit across the face with a with a baseball bat of feelings mm. essentially. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think there's also like uh outside of that, I think there's also a point of like maybe unhealthiness of holding space so much space for like somebody that can't hold really hold any for you you know and and, that, and that's not to say like yo if you have like the most fucked up day of your life today like i'm 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 here to take it all you know like right but like but if every the, week i have the most fucked up day of my life and i'm coming to you and being like dan i need to like vent to you about this yeah at yeah. some point you're gonna have to probably put up a boundary and be like yo dude like see a therapist talk to other friends yeah, like, like something it ask can't me just, how my shit is right it can't just be you 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 and your right. sad life all the time absolutely right absolutely well, that's hard too speaking of your shit how was your week how are you doing enough <laughs> doing, about me doing pretty all right man you know just uh just trying to hold hold shit together as i like make transitions like big transitions in my life i'm trying to like yeah um leaving i'm leaving my job my day job you know at the yeah, at the beginning of june something you have been talking about and dreaming about for years Dude, and are years. you so stuck that you don't have to listen to me to fucking like talk about it i'm gonna miss anymore. it anymore I, I think i'm gonna miss <laughs> you it to listen to my bullshit th- i'm gonna miss you being like i think i'm gonna open a sandwich shop <laughs> i think i'm starting a record store Dude, i think i'm that's gonna me. yeah that's me i want to do all that's a that's the fucked up part is like i genuinely would love to do all of those things and would potentially be happy doing any of them as well like those are all those things all sound like really great to me but anyway i am like making this transition and uh i it kind of feels like giving this much notice at work kind of just feels like it's senior year of high school oh, totally. you know like i'm i'm there and i'm there to like but you're not really help. there and but yeah i'm i'm fucking you know i right. i see the i see what's you're, about to happen you're baking more memes than you are cakes right now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> and uh I mean, it's really dope. I'm just trying, like, yeah, I'm trying to fucking, you know, be present there and, you know, still uh, make this transition Stuff happen. Though, yeah, when you have one foot out already, you're yeah. just like, yeah, I mean, I feel you. I started interviewing for new jobs this week. Um, and yeah, like when I had that panic attack on Thursday, I basically was just like, cool. So I'm done, obviously, today. And I'm not messaging anybody about this because I don't really care to. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just going to drop all my shit and it's going to be fine. And then Friday, I didn't really have like a ton of customer meet. I didn't, I only had one customer meeting at nine in the morning. So I just did that and worked from like nine to 11 and then was just like, I'm going to go get a giant sandwich. And I did. And then I ate that giant sandwich and then it put me in a food coma and I fell asleep for two hours. And that was my work day. And I woke up at four o'clock and I was like, oh shit. (laughs) Like, yeah, I was supposed to be working. Um, but yeah, I can just tell that like I have the ball rolling with like a few different other opportunities that I'm excited about. And I'm just like, I'm probably going to get one of those. And like, <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. just don't care to like, yeah, I hate this job that I have right now. So for sure. But yeah, I'm just trying to get that all locked down, I'm trying to keep it, 
keep things in in perspective and uh that's exciting man you should savor you know you should savor you've spent you've put so much time and effort and sweat and blood and tears and hopefully zero semen into that bakery I don't even know why you needed that. I started listing off like bodily yeah, fluids. And you I just, just wanted, wanted to, to make sure it, yeah. that that was definitely not one of them. Nope. Uh, <laughs> cool, sure cool, isn't. Cool, 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 cool. So yeah, but you put so much into that place. Like I feel like in some ways, one, you deserve to sort of like coast a little bit at the end. And two, I think that there's like a great moment of being present and like really relishing the end of this season of your life yeah i should i honestly like should i think it's hard to have that perspective and so yeah it's good it's good of you to say that because don't future trip too much on the uh on what's next because i think what's next is going to be great for you but like you're not there yet right so yeah i would say you know try to savor this like this really sweet i don't want to be too like puntastic here but it is a very sweet ending to this you know bakery season of your life um yeah and i feel like at some point you can start doing shit like you know you're putting together a box of mini bun cakes and you're just gonna be like i'll never this is like the one of the last ones i ever have to do yeah yeah for sure and being present for that is pretty good yeah and just knowing something no knowing i got to like be a part of like building something from the ground up like yeah. truly and like i saw that space built you know it yeah. was it was not that bakery when we went to that fucking particular location, you know, and yeah, it's been, you know, it's a trip, but it's good to know when things have like run its course and, and they have, yeah, like I'm ready. I'm ready to, for sure. And yeah, there's no, there's no bad blood between you and the bakery owner. And like, you know, know. I might help out there in this, you know, in this time of my, my life too. Sure. You know, there might be a day every once in a while where somebody's just like, yo, you need you're in a pinch today happy to come help you know right. why, why not hell yeah why not but yeah that's that's the happenings man you know and uh yeah cool other than that just like ready for looks like more and more shit is uh, starting to open up which is interesting and um you know I'm excited to see how things play out. Yeah. You know? And I know it's, yeah, it's fucking wild that I don't really, we don't even really need to get get heavy into it, but you know, Texas opening their, uh, like everything up to full capacity and, um, and no masks is, is some pretty wild shit. But, For sure. Uh, I mean, the flip side, I think though, is like, Hey, fuck it. You want to go for it? I want to see what I want to see what happens. Yeah. I want to see like what are the results of this? And now we're all going to sure. get to see it and I you know, whether whether you agree or disagree with it, we're all going to get to see it. We're yeah. gonna, you know. For sure. I think it's interesting too. I mean, obviously Portland very liberal. I think, you know, when they said, oh, we're opening up for indoor dining like around Valentine's Day, a lot of people are like what the fuck? It's way too soon. And it's yeah. like, part of me is just like, yeah, I mean, I totally understand that. And like, if you're a restaurant owner and you don't feel comfortable, then don't open up. Yeah. Another thing to keep in mind is that Portland is not Texas. Portland is not fucking like Orlando, Florida or Georgia or some yeah. shit where like shit is all just open. 
And even if it was open, people wouldn't be going out. I know lots of small business owners who were like, when this summer, when shit was open for limited capacity, they were like, yeah, I mean, it's been all right. But he's like, you know, even if I was able to open up at 100% capacity, like the people here are just like not, people are too mindful. They're too yeah. thoughtful. Um, they're they're too well informed. They're just not going to <laughs> like, sure. they're not going to abuse it to that degree. And so in that sense, I sort of feel like with the indoor dining stuff, I'm just like, look, man, if a restaurant really wants to do that and the people that work at that restaurant, like, you know, feel comfortable with that. Like hopefully they have an opportunity to voice their concerns or get a job where they feel more safe. I realize that sometimes that's not the case. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, at some point we do have to just sort of like let people start making decisions. I think what's frustrating though is that it seems like we're so close to getting everybody vaccinated and like I agree. Maybe we should just hold on a little bit longer. I do think the the memes I've seen from that Texas move oh, have the, just been the fucking Seinf- the Seinfeld one was George uh, the yelling best. on the phone meme when the he year. was working for the Yankees. Unreal. Um, and yeah, man, I one hundred percent respect the people that are like not ready to go out into places, even if they are limited capacity, or even sit outside if that's your trip. Um, that's that's cool, man. I'm not really, I'm not super pumped about you know, being in some huge crowd of people either. No. I'm not like, I don't, I don't yeah. think I'm, I would I'm never, necessarily like I would never into rip that. on someone's comfortability yeah. with, yeah. but at the same time, I think, you know, there needs to be a little bit more of a science based approach. For example, a week ago I was walking around Mount Tabor, which is this big park in Portland, this mm. giant, like thousand foot hill essentially. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of space there. Like yeah. there's trails and stuff, but the trails are super wide. Like very easy to keep distance from people there. It was a beautiful sunny day. I did not have a mask because I was outside mm-hmm. and I was by myself and I just didn't really see the need to have a mask. Like if I'm on a trail, a hiking trail where like it's really narrow and I'm going to be like kind of brushing shoulders with people, then I definitely have a mask or a bandana that I can pull up as I pass people just for their comfortability, even though I don't really think that it matters in that situation either. I'm just doing it for the optics, but I was at Mount Tabor. I did not have a mask. I was like, I was in the like 10% of people who were not wearing a mask. Like just everybody's just like walking around wearing a mask and we're all so far away from each other. And I was just kind of like, I don't, like, there's not a need for this outside. I think that the, everyone's intention is obvious, clearly, yeah. like, in the right place. But, you know, and, I, and no one, like, shamed me or anything. Though I have heard stories of people, like, walking around a neighborhood not wearing yeah. a mask and someone yelling at them. And I just think that that shit's, like, we're taking it a little bit too far at that point. Like, I will respect your comfort. If you want to wear a mask at the park, I'm not going to, like, give you shit for it. Uh, unless you're my friend, and then I, I might. But... Like the reality is, is like, there's no science behind saying like, if you are outside and are 10 feet away from people, like you can't get it. It's just not how it works. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not possible. I'm not a scientist. I don't know what's happening. Um, I think that's overall just the issue in general is nobody really yeah, seems to know what's fair. happening. Um, so I guess my, my, Yeah. It's like, I get the people that get mad 
that you don't have a mask outside. Well, I like, get it. It's like just play you know, it safe, but it's like no, but uh, but I am playing it safe. Yeah, and for I've sure. And read I get that. All about I get, this, I get that so. that position as well. Um, it's uh, yeah, man. It's a crazy. You remember uh, we had Luke on. It was one of our first guests that we had on, and he was just like, "Yo, this is a a true test in people's like." empathy and compassion towards one another Mm -hmm. and i think even those that part of it like plays into it you know it's just like it's really realizing that you know it might make someone feel a little bit safer even if you're wearing this fucking mask in an unnecessary situation so it's i don't know it's just hard man everybody feels so so differently it's just like where do we draw the line for me i draw the line at like if i'm outside and i'm more than 10 feet away from you i'll even do the six feet like 10 feet straight up i will go out of my way to like not be near anybody yeah i will cross the street if i'm walking around my neighborhood like i don't brush shoulders with anybody outside for sure even though like i don't from what i've read i don't think you can give covid to somebody by walking by them for a second I, yeah i mean if you sneeze in their face yes but like just right. breathing it's <clears throat> very unlikely anyways Agreed. i still like i'll still play it safe i'm, yeah. just, I'm not getting near anybody mm-hmm. um and i guess i'm just surprised that like more people haven't caught on to like that's still very very safe like we're talking yeah. about like you know it's just as good and um yeah, I feel like the mask thing is, yeah, it's easy. It's easy to just, like, you throw your mask on so so you're playing it safe. But it's like, yo, I'm outside trying yeah. to breathe in fresh air on a Sunday. Like, I hear you. I hear you. Anyways, I don't want to go too... I no, sound like an asshole. Yeah, I don't think you sound like an asshole. I sound like, sound like a covid I don't think you sound like an maniac. asshole. And I also think that, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, when I go for a walk, if I'm walking sidewalks, then I just bring the mask and, you know, let it hang from the ear. And if somebody comes by then i'll put it on but i'm like no i'm not gonna walk around outside with a mask on if there's no other people like around you know right yeah I'm so, down to do the respectful thing of like right. for passing each other i'll Same. put mine on that's and, what i got the bandana you for. Know? and but it's like i don't know man everybody's just in such different spots and everybody's in such different situations with this thing and like now everybody's just you know, a lot of folks are just ultra frustrated. It's been over a year. We're closing in on it of like America being fucking locked down for a bit. And like, for real, <clears throat> but also more power to the fucking people like in Texas that own their own businesses that are like, Hey, fuck you, buddy. If you don't have a, ma- if you don't have a mask, you're not coming in here. Like, yeah, also, I don't care like, also, I don't care I if there's no statewide mandate. <clears throat> I have a mandate. Cause that's like my owner. other thing with that is like, yeah, if you're, you know, yes, I I think it's wild that they went ahead and did that so close to the tail end of this thing. Um, but businesses still have, and it sucks that those those business owners and those business employees will have to deal with it, um, like the bitching of customers. But like they have every right to get to dictate how that fucking story gets ran and how many people do get to sit in there. You know, like you and I got dinner like a couple weeks ago and we went to this spot and, um, everything had just opened back up here 25% to, mm-hmm. to dine inside. And we went to go get some food and that particular place is like, Hey, like I know this shit opened up, but we're not doing the dining inside yet. So it's still just to go. And like, respect if that's what you want to do man 
I'm cool with it. Yeah. You know? And it ended up being fine. That <laughs> pasta was fire. Shout out to Goomba. <laughs> Goomba is so good. Go to Goomba. Uh, support Goomba. But, yeah, I'm with that, too. Like, I'm not I'm not part of the anti-mask crew still. No. You know, Absolutely I'm just not. saying, that, like, I think that it will be just very good to see what happens yeah, on or, all levels. Or of very it. bad. But I mean, it could be a. I I hope that it's not a batting like outcome. I think it's going to be for multiple reasons. Right. But what if it? What if it fucking doesn't make any difference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't. I don't know. It seems crazy. Seems wild. But let's fucking see, let's see. how it goes down. And uh, how about maybe we fucking slide into this. Uh, this the story that, Daniel? that you're going to tell about this is uh, your story. This is the name. This is my namesake. Did you know that you had a book in the Bible? I did. I, this is my. Um, I'm 99 percent positive. This is the reason my name was Daniel. Uh, my yeah, mom, I am as well. you know, named um, me after this Daniel in the Lions Den story. And, <laughs> well, there's more. There's more to know, Daniel than just the lions. No, then. it's just the lions. Then okay. Well, that's all we're going to talk about it's today. There's a lot going on with Daniel. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of. Con- You're familiar with this story to some degree. Yeah, I, 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 you know, you know. I think anybody who's been to like, this is one of I those stories it. that like they love to tell to kids. Yeah, and I'm. I can't wait to dig into that with you a little bit because I'm going to tell you the Game of Thrones version right. of the story, Again, which is like the joke what thing, it right? is. Yeah, and it's just like this is a fucked up story. Yeah. And I think some of the message story. behind it too, especially the Old Testament shit. I mean, the Old Testament God, I think for Western Americans, it's just like, uh, we should not be teaching things about the Old Testament God unless we are building out all of the context of the ancient world, because otherwise the Old Testament God is just like a spiteful asshole, like kind of straight up. I mean, it's just not like, yeah, you know, it's all, it's all rooted in fear. It's not very much rooted in love. So, and this is definitely one of those stories to me. So just to be clear, you're saying fear is bad. Love is good. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I think there are, I think there's a spectrum fear being on one end and love being on the other. Yeah. And I think the old Testament puts itself squarely on the fear end of the spectrum. Why? In terms of God. Why is everything about the balance though? It's like the whole thing. The do du- you mean talking about the duality of like you know, everything. The light needs of the darkness. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a trip. I mean And too much of either is like bad. Yeah. Almost. You know? True. True. Because um, if you have all joy and then that That's will, how you get and, eaten by a lion. And yeah, if you have all <laughs> you joy. You never felt the fear when you needed it. Exactly. Or you just get devastated by it. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that everything everything seems to serve a purpose and to have a place in this universe. Yeah. And you just gotta sometimes you just gotta figure that out for yourself. So But like I don't know. I'm I'm sure I have many tragedies to face in the future. Yeah. But can you imagine um getting to the age of like fifty five without facing any tragedy? And then, and then feeling it and like feeling a foundation shift at that age in the game and never experiencing it. I think you would, I would break somebody. It could, 
but and it that's doesn't sort of the story of the Buddha. Not fifty five, <clears throat> but he was an adult mm-hmm. male who had basically never left the palace, had been shielded from all the suffering of the world, knew nothing about aging, sickness, death, like, and learned about all of that at once. And it ended up being the catalyst to him, you know, awakening. Obviously, I don't think that's necessarily a historical uh, (laughs) fact, but I think it's an interesting allegory. Um, And yeah, I mean, I do think that uh, if there's one thing that religious texts seem to like get into quite a bit, it's that there is um, a great amount of growth and learning in the suffering. Right. And that suffering itself is incredibly fertile ground for reaching a better understanding of yourself and the divine. And like God is in the love and God is also in the pain. Very much so. Yeah, and like sometimes yeah. you'll meet God in the love and sometimes you're going to meet God at the lowest of lows. Um, and it's going to be probably more profound sometimes in the lowest mm. of lows. It's going to really inform your life. And I think for me, uh, God, a friend said this to me recently when I was, um, you know, I've the last four to five weeks have been a little bit touch and go for me post breakup and just the basement renovation and like there's a lot going on in my life um you know the job situation isn't great whatever pray for andrew and yeah my buddy goes um and who knows if this is a real quote but he was like uh something about uh, we talked about this with trent something about how like uh planes take off against the wind not with the wind and it's just a, you know, it's just a nice way to sort of conceptualize this idea of like pain and suffering being really fertile ground for spiritual growth. Yeah, man. It's, uh, you can't just do in it though. You got to do something with it. But like when bad things happen to you, when life isn't going your way, I mean, I really think that like, yeah, feeling that deep depth of human suffering and sadness and pain and like it's, it can be really beautiful. It can be really illuminating uh, and can can definitely give you like an extra lift on the other end of it if you yeah. if you know how to use it. So a shift in foundation can be good. That's right, I suppose. So very blasted. Um, yeah, <laughs> just some stone thoughts though. But and and also, I don't think that uh, you know just because I feel like I have faced some some tragedy or had some like some life shifting or foundation shifting moments. I don't, I don't necessarily know that it, you know, it does prepare me any better for future ones. You know, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I think it definitely does. I think um, you're right. I think you're right. Thank yeah. You. I don't think there's Thank almost for, uh, any situation where it doesn't. That was, that was a <laughs> dumb stone thought and you should feel dumb about it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. Story of Daniel. Ashamed. Story of Daniel in the lion's den. I just want to do a quick shout out to anybody out there who think it's Daniel and the lion's den. You're you're wrong. It's Daniel in. He's in it. He's in the lion's den. Daniel in the lion's den. That's the whole point of the story. He goes in. So figure that out, YouTube fucking creators who are making these little cartoons for kids. It's not Daniel ampersand the lion's den. It's just he's inside the lion's den, you fucking idiots. Anyways. Daniel was a so we're we're sort of post David at this point we're post um, Solomon as well one of one of David's sons Daniel is sort of of the lineage of David I believe 
Uh, I could be wrong about that, but I, I'm pretty sure I heard someone Sick. say in a chick children's story or something that I watched on YouTube that Daniel's part of that lineage. He's definitely part of like the Israelite, the Judah crew, right? And what's happening now post the reign of David and Solomon and these like great Israeli kings, Jewish kings, is that um, Judah has been uh, taken over by Babylon. So it's being run by a Babylonian king. Uh, and something that the Babylonian king did at the time uh, is that he, I think is Nebuchadnezzar. Um, does that ring a bell to you? Nebuchadnezzar, right? I hadn't thought about that name in a long time, but I read it and I was like, oh, I didn't know old Nebi. It's a good name. Anyway, something that he did was like he wanted to appoint some people from, you know, the the this region that he had taken over, he wanted to appoint some of those senior people like into his advisors. And so Daniel is one of those guys. Daniel's big uh, thing that he can do as a man of God is he's like very good at interpreting other people's dreams for them, which is some pretty witchy shit. And then he also has a lot of his own like kind of dreams and visions. He's not quite like a prophet, but like, you know, that's sort of his vibe. That's where he's at. Mm -hmm. And so come to this like, uh, this part in the book of Daniel is chapter six is the, is Daniel in the lion's den. And what happens is, is that basically, um, for whatever reason, the other, you know, there's all of these like prefects and like advisors and whatever that like, there's like hundreds of them that, that work for the King as part of this government. And then like Daniel and like two other people are part of this, uh, you know, group of three people that are like above them that report directly to the king. So they're like, he's got a pretty high seat in this in this government, and he's he's well respected. And the king really likes him because he's been saying interesting shit about his dreams. So like, <laughs> you know. Anyways, uh, for whatever reason, the other advisors and some of the people underneath, like they don't like Daniel. They want they want Daniel to be to be gone. Um, and so they convince the king to institute a law that says like you can own you know for the next 30 days you're only allowed to pray uh to the king like you cannot pray to this god of israel um any prayers must be directly to the king uh so the king is like all right yeah that's fine i think we can make that happen so he puts it into writing now as soon as daniel learns that this happens He's just like, I mean, okay, but like, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. And so he just keeps, it says, uh, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So when they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree, they said, did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or man except you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? And the king is like, yeah, I mean, I did. I didn't fucking think Daniel was going to be a part of this equation. I love Daniel. But like he put this law into place. So the king, he just he has to uphold it. Um, and. Yeah, so it says the king, you know, when he heard this, he was really distressed. Uh, he was determined to rescue Daniel, made every effort until sundown to save him. But uh, these other, like, you know, bureaucrats just weren't having it. They go to the king and they say, remember, O king, that according to the law, 
of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. <laughs> they're like put, pulling his, they're circling his own shit back on top of him and being like, it's yeah, it's like this political kind of Game of Thrones shit where like they just entrapped Daniel. They knew that he prayed every day. They knew that he probably wasn't going to stop. They just wanted a way to make sure that they could kill him. So the king is like, fuck, okay, you're right. Yes, uh, I, I can't be changed. So Daniel goes into the lion's den, which, holy shit, of all the ways to like, this story is probably like written sometime, you know, second or third century BC, something like that. Um, what a fucking intense way to murder someone like for political reasons like you can't just we can't just poison the guy or like cut his head off or something a little quicker than like no just feed him to the fucking lions just so gnarly god damn so they throw daniel in the lion's den and the king sort of like this is what i don't really understand it's like the king really loves daniel but then also the king says to daniel maybe just to save face with people he's like um May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. It's like, good luck, bud. Hope your God's real. If he is, it's like sort of that, like, uh, that witch trial shit of like, we're going to tie a stone to your feet and we're going to throw you into the waters. Uh, And if you can swim and you survive, that means you're a witch. And if you don't, then... I guess it means you weren't, but like <laughs> maybe you were either way you're dead like, yeah. and you probably were a witch. So right. it's just like, doesn't really seem like Daniel's going to be able to win here. Um, so anyways, they seal off the lion's den. Daniel's in the lion's den. Uh, the king is surprisingly sort of like beside himself and can't sleep all night and rushes to the lion's den first thing in the morning to see what's up with Daniel. And, uh, He's like, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. Uh, I think that's their version of bless up. And he (laughs) says, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. (laughs) (laughs) They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. And the king is overjoyed gives orders to lift Daniel out of the den, which again, is sort of, I'm like, I'm not really fully understanding here. It's like the king like doesn't want Daniel to die. Then like does want Daniel to die. Then doesn't want, and then like does kind of undo the the decree does undo the law because the, the lions just didn't eat him, eat him in the one night that he was there. Yeah. It's like leave him there for a couple days and see what happens. I think, I don't know how powerful that angel is, but like, I think the lions are going to get pretty hungry. They're just going to go ahead and eat Daniel. <laughs> Anyways, Daniel only has to spend one night in the lion's den, thankfully for him. And, uh, so yeah, King is overjoyed. And then at the King's command, all of these like people who had conspired, to do this to Daniel um, at the king's command he's like cool so now all of you are going into the lion's den with all of your families and children and the lions immediately eat all of them which I was just like fuck that is so brutal the kids too those kids those kids weren't conspiring against Daniel like fucking let Daniel be their dad I don't know fine yeah kill the people who were being assholes whatever but like all the other auxiliary like just the related people 
That's some that's some heavy shit, man. I guess the thought behind that historically was just like, well, we can't like kill the kid's dad and then have the kid be a faithful or, servant of the yeah. kingdom. Like uh, he's gonna rebel, so we just kill the whole, we just x them all. That's sweet of them. It's fucking gnarly. Uh, so, anyways, this king, his name's King Darius. First off, just sort of a what the fuck King James moment. So it says, uh, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. God damn. Wow. They just didn't even like they just caught him <laughs> midair and just were like, rawr, rawr, yeah. rawr. all done. Game over. Uh, and then the king issues this decree. That says, in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And that's the story. And I feel like the like children's version of that story is very much like, you know, Daniel got in trouble for being so faithful and then he still maintained his faith and God rescued him <laughs> and all saw that like God is so powerful and great and like Daniel was this like amazing witness and it's just like, yeah, but there's also this like other sort of like undercurrent of the story that's basically just like, if you believe in God hard enough, he can get you out of any situation. Which I think is sort of a bullshit thing to tell a kid. Like, I don't see a lot of value in that idea, which I think really is the children's version of it is really just like, don't lose your faith because like, yeah, you know, otherwise you might get eaten by lions, metaphorically speaking, right. obviously. But like, and I just think it also, it, it lands you in this situation of like, um... It puts a kid in a precarious situation of feeling like maybe like if they found themselves in the lion's den, then maybe it was for lack of faith. Mm. So then how the fuck are they going to get themselves out with faith? That's, you know, they don't have the tools. Yeah. It's a... Uh, it's a fear-based story. And I feel like it's basically just like you fucking, you keep your shit tight with God at all times. Yeah. Like Daniel. I think that it's, you know, it's... Yeah, I think it's, it's it's big picture shit and it's too big to like explain it to a kid like that of if you just believe in God, you know, they can get you through anything. You know, God can get you through anything. That's like telling a kid to trust the process, I feel like. like means nothing and probably the, the, the kid brain interpretation of it is going to like do more harm than good. Because I think that that's like the God can get you through anything thing to some degree as well, because it's like, you might not see the results of that. Like whatever that God situation is for you, like you might not see the results. It's like similar to the, you know, everything is going to happen for a reason. And like for sure. so difficult to see the other side of that. And so difficult to see like within your struggle, how dope it's going to be when you get to the other side and then you like your life shifts in this direction and, and whatnot, you know? But yeah, I think I, I agree with telling a kid, you know, 
if you believe in God, you know, that will get you through anything or whatever. It's yeah. like, cause it's, 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 I don't know, I guess I can't assume what a kid's idea of God is, but for sure. Well, and actually I love you bringing up this, uh, well, I just love you, Daniel. First well, that's off. very, and I also that's also sweet of appreciate you. Appreciate you bringing up this concept of trust the process. I actually think, in a lot of ways, trust the process is a lot is kind of the same as having faith in God. I mean, it's yeah, sort of just like that's what I'm trust saying. that reality <laughs> is as it's supposed to be. But to your point, I think you know part of what you were saying too is it's just like you don't learn to trust the process by trusting the process for your entire life. You learn to trust the process by not trusting the process, watching it unfold anyways, regardless of your faith or trust in it. And then in retrospect being like, oh, that whole situation would have been way easier for me if I just trusted the process because the process is happening, baby. Right. It's happening. It's unfolding. There's not a whole lot you're going to be able to do to like stop it. No. So you can tinker with things. You yeah. can shit, you can shift outcomes of things for sure. Like if you're, you know, if you're trying to make some things happen, like you can, you know, you can shift some things in your direction, but like things are going to happen. Life keeps moving. Yeah. Like 100%. If you're out in the desert and you're blasted on, on mushroom goo, life is still happening out there. Like it, not everything like, <laughs> yeah, the world is happening and it functions without you. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's fucking, I don't know. Um, I don't really know what that has to do with trusting the process except like, well, I mean, I think there is something about like sort of putting your faith into something bigger than you, something grander than you. Like there seems to be some kind of core universal truth, whether that's, whether that's a spiritual thing for you, whether that's God related or whether that's just like accepting that the universe is infinitely more complex and vast than you could ever understand right and allowing that perspective to sort of like flow over your life so that you realize that like some of your petty shit like this shit i'm dealing with my contractor and whatever like then none of this is like that important and right. then yes let's do the things that we can do to like help remedy the situation but let's also not like stress ourselves into a fucking panic attack like that's not useful hmm. um so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just, again, I think that that, like, that grand perspective is mm. is great. But I also think, too, like, it can be kind of harmful to tell a kid that if you just, like, pray really hard that the lion won't eat you. Because it's like, sometimes what you need to do is you need to climb out of the den. Like, yeah. you know, you need to get yourself out of a harmful situation. And, you know, I think this story overlaid on top of, like, being in some kind of like abusive situation or like something that where like you really need to like do more than just pray to God about yeah, it. Escape quickly. Uh, I think that this is a harmful story to be telling the kids because I think that like, you know, the kid whose lion's den is that they have like an abusive parent or something. It's just like, yep, you need to do more than just pray to God. Like you need to get help. Right. God's going to not going to show up for you in God's going to show up for you if you ask for help. <laughs> yeah, but. for sure. And that's also a situation where you don't necessarily like want to trust the process without like intervening <laughs> with the process. Right. Right, you know? right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you have to act. Yeah, yes. That is... Uh, that's, the act is part of the prayer. Yeah. That maybe, is like an interesting know? like part of the... Like, 
interesting thoughts on the metaphor though of like that that whole story and like what that is supposed to teach to kids because you know the sentiment of it is is probably like pretty good but like you're saying you know it could be confusing for it's confusing a young a young person even for an adult i think it's very disempowering because i think what we're doing is we're separating god out of everything and saying like god is other and god is going to like intervene appropriately in your life and like (laughs) i i don't believe that i think god is in everything and I think a lot of what the church teaches you, especially through stories like this, is to don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in your own intuition. Put Just put your faith in God. Put your faith in something outside of yourself that you don't even really understand. Yeah. Trust the process, so to speak. And, like, that's what's going to help you. And it's like, no, I think, uh, I think God is... I mean, the church also teaches that, like, god is within us if we if we allow it and it's like so how like these are very conflicting messages and for me i'm just like i think that like the best way for me to act um in terms of like a divine action you know is to trust like to be in touch with my intuition Mm -hmm. to be in touch with my body and my feelings and that those things shouldn't be shunned but like that's where i should be looking for you know God's direction, so deep to speak, truth, deep truth, is there, and not being like, oh, it's let me just there. let me just put my prayer hands up and like see what the you know, you know, Father in the sky can do for me. It's like, no, that's not how any of this works. That's not. I don't think that's how God shows up, um, and I don't even think that that's what this story. Like they took this one chapter out of the Bible and tried to like, you know, turn it into this like children's story because there's not a lot of great stories for children in the Bible in general. And they're like, well, lions are cute. And in this case, the lions don't eat Daniel, though they do eat a bunch of other children. So uh, that's kind of fucked up. I'm pretty sure they omit that from the children's version. <laughs> um, but it's like, yeah, I don't think that's what this story is necessarily like about, you know, like from a historical context, from like, from from all these other perspectives. Like, I think there's more to this story than just like Daniel was a great man of God and prayed really hard. And so the lions didn't. Yeah. It's like, but like more going on here. Yeah, for sure. And then also like, what does that say for the, maybe someone that has just fallen into good graces within that last year. And this person has been a fucking superb citizen and good in every, you know, good in every way. It's every person they know. And and then they're put in this situation. Are they viewed the same way? Is God's good grace save them from the lines then? Or is it is it like Daniel's consistent good work that saves him, you know, should well, all like is it the whole body of work that is supposed to be considered yeah. in this or like Well it's interesting because it's like in this story it's basically saying like you know, it's Daniel's faith that caused him to be persecuted in the first place. But then it's his faith that saved him. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, in some way, I guess you could like sort of point to the story and like, you know, the age old question of like, you know, why, why does bad stuff happen to good people? You know, you could point to a story like this or a story of Job or whatever and be like, well, sometimes, you know, God works in mysterious ways or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like also the harmful side of that, uh, narrative is that you know you have someone who's a good person 
their wife gets cancer, it's sort of like, yo, just trust, you know, yeah. just trust that that if you pray hard and like God's and then and then God doesn't yeah. come through, and now that person has to live with this internalized like burden of like, well, I guess I just didn't love God hard enough, and so my partner died. Like, yeah. Also, that's super fucked up. Yeah. Don't don't tell people that are going through it. Trust the process. Not good words of advice. Get the fuck out of here. Don't with tell that. them anything other than that. I love you and I'm here for you for anything that you need. Yeah. Like, I think it can pretty much end. I'm right not there. advising any trust the process uh, n- um, no, <laughs> advice. Trust the process is for your friend like me who's like, I don't like my job and I want to find another one. And then, yeah. like, I keep striking out. And you can just be like, yo, Andrew, why don't you trust the process a little more? Maybe that will be helpful. But yeah, when we're talking matters of death and and deep deep losses like no one wants to no one trusts the process in that moment very few yeah and if someone doesn't it's incredibly understandable that they wouldn't that's not their time to trust the process it's their time to just live the pain and maybe they'll learn something about the process retroactively maybe hopefully we hope hopefully we all do you know (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I'd love to learn something <laughs> sometime. Be fantastic. Um, do you want to talk That's about... That's a trip, though. That's a trip. It Just, is a trip. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting way of teaching to throw this this fella to the lions, you know? Yeah. Just throw him in the den. Put your faith in more than steel, you know? He really rode hard in that den. He was like, you know, took no action against these lions. But it's funny, though. The story doesn't even say that, like, and then Daniel prayed really hard for an angel. It just says retroactively, Daniel's like, oh, yeah, God sent an angel, so I'm chilling. So it's like this idea, Man, too, that's of being like, re- That's like being real rooted in your shit, though, which right. is like very next level and pretty, pretty dope to... <laughs> Like on that, you know, on that front, I feel like, you know, speaking, you even speaking to, to that is just like, Hey man, yeah. Shit's just gonna shake out, you know, shit's going to shake out because it's the only way it can. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, Fuck man, you want to you want to talk about this long ass email we got? I'm pretty excited about yeah, this. Yeah, from Paul. <laughs> Thank you, Paul, for sending us such a wonderful email. Uh, a lot of food for thought in this one. Paul Austin, um, are you just gonna read this whole thing? Yeah, why not? I'm not gonna read his uh, commentary on the uh, the other thing, but sure. here's the whole email. Um, I mean, you were kind enough to tell the the entire story of Daniel in the lion's den. he was in there sometimes you're in the in the lion's den yeah for sure you know all right let's hit it all right (laughs) yeah enough of your stone bullshit read the email (laughs) sorry it's bible buds man uh hey bible buds i just finished a post-election cast from november 8th i made it all the way through and decided to respond to the no one writes us an email that you wound it up with wish i could have been on a similar plane as you both 
made this really dumb commitment to my wife that I would not partake, at least not without her. Okay. <laughs> Which to date He's talking has about been with smoking the reefer. Yeah. That seems like a interesting commitment that you've made with your, uh, your wife, Paul. I'd love to actually hear more about that. Maybe we can talk about that. And I think that time. that commitment was probably very legit a couple decades ago, but I will say, Paul, it is, I don't know where you live, but it is 2021. Weed is legal fucking almost everywhere. Unless you <laughs> live in like Utah or some shit. And yeah. you know, maybe you and your wife should, should exp- I'm, I'm not telling you what to do, but like, I'm just saying if you have yeah. legal dispensaries and stuff like, and it's been a while for you and you want to dip your toes into that, those folks are super helpful. You just go in there, you let them know it's been a long time. I don't want to get too stoned. Like they might be able to hook you up with like a low grade edible or something that just like makes you and your wife a little bit giggly or some shit. I don't know. Paul, I wouldn't listen to Andrew. Like we have no idea what your marital situation is. That's and, also like, very true. If you just like don't have much time to get super ripped and, and I'm not, just kind of committed to do I it never, together. You know, did like, I ever say get super ripped, Daniel suffer, you know, suffer in solidarity. Someone's, pro- someone's projecting their super rippedness <laughs> onto everything that I say. <laughs> All right. uh, anyway, so other than the rare transgression, it's a really distant memory from the seventies. It was great though. My GTO Zeppelin rush kiss. Yeah. <laughs> and then you put in parentheses knights and Satan's services is amazing. Anyway, I first came across your podcast when Frank Schaefer was your guest. Shout out to Frank. Maybe the best episode of this podcast. Um, also really enjoyed the one last week with, with Trent, which I thought had the best episode title. Are you going to take the acid? That's right. Some very fun stories. But uh, anyways, I've read one of his books and lived through a similar time. I really enjoyed that particular interview as it brought together such much of my evolution of Christianity with the final straw being in response to my revolution to Christian nationalism and their support for Trump. The November 8th cast concluding dialogue made me aware of something that I need to work on. I'm angry. No, I'm fucking angry and I need to fix that. I'm 63. Both my parents are still alive in the late 80s and early 90s and they lived a Christian life like I've never witnessed anyone else. So Christ-like and meek that the simply got gotta inherit this earth. Trump's Christian though. Trump's Christians though. Yeah. So he's saying his parents are not like that. Yeah. His parents are are the good Christ-like. They're real Christ-like Christians. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, Trump Christians though. Frank and I feel the same about them. I write to Venn at times. Just for me, it's somehow therapeutic not having the same medicinal support as you just talking about that, that reefer again. There is. Um, I wrote what I will paste in the follow after the cast with, uh, Frank thinking how I might respond to friends and family. And he goes on to, to make this response and, uh, says, keep it up. I have some catching up to do fast forward to your cast after they storm the Capitol. Never said fuck that much before. Feels good. Paul. Sometimes it does, Paul. Thanks for writing in. Yeah, Paul. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, glad you found the cast. Yeah, glad you got something out of the Frank episode. Um, sorry to hear that you are so angry, but I'm very happy to hear that you realize that that's the case and you're wanting to do something about it. I think that that's, uh, that's it, baby. That's all we can do. It's a revolution. <laughs> <laughs> We're storming the cat. 
capital. It's a revolution. <laughs> yeah. Amazing, dude. Um, Amazing. But um, yeah, I mean, at some point though, because I get it, I'm, I'm, I get, I get real upset with fellow Americans on a very regular basis. And I sort of oscillate back and forth between, you know, this anger that I'm sure is kind of similar to what you're feeling, Paul, or, uh, or just being like, I can't control these fucking dummies. Like, all I can do is just do me and like try to put out as much love into this world as I can try to help those around me. And then like, yeah, if someone wants to be a fucking dipshit somewhere else, like it's just not, it's not my path to, to get all in a fuss about it. It doesn't really help anything. Yeah. So not that I'm giving you any advice, Paul. I'm not because I don't, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but yeah, I can, I can empathize with, with that play. Yeah. But we appreciate you writing in. That's great. We never know who's listening and, uh, we appreciate those who, uh, listen regularly and just always remember sometimes we're just getting blasted and talking about shit we're going through. And don't take it too seriously. Yeah, don't forget we we I feel like we put this disclaimer out a lot when we were first starting, and it's maybe been a little while since yeah. we've underscored it. But we have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. No, we're idiots. None. We're dumb. Um, I'm dumb. But no, I'll throw my hat in that ring. Like we're just out here, just talking about some shit we've been through, talking about some perspective trying to gain perspectives from from other people as well and their their life experiences and uh yeah don't drown in the uh compassion though everybody you know that that can definitely be a blessing and a curse you know to immerse yourself in in the the empathy and drown in drown in other sorrows and whatnot yeah, you know have some have, don't forget to have some compassion for yourself yeah Amidst all the all the, the madness, but hold space for other people too. That's dope. That's a that's I, a nice thing to do. I agree. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm about it. And uh, try to just avoid the lion's den if you can. Yeah, I would say just go ahead and just don't go in there. I don't really see a reason at this point to. Yeah, even if an angel, because if you do go in there, then it might mean that someone's going in after you and Oof. those people might be children. So yeah, I'd say just go ahead and just Especially stay Especially if they're children. I'd say maybe we should get together. We should try to protest against the existence of lion's dens in general. Like, I don't think that should mm. exist. Yeah. Let's find what the lion's den is, uh, of our age mm. and, uh, how we can, how we can stop that nonsense. Yeah, I think there's probably some better, like, bigger, more important causes at the moment, but... I mean, the metaphorical lion's den, Daniel. Yeah. Or are we feeding... Do you want to start, like, a GoFundMe for the metaphorical lion's den? I'll think about it. Maybe. Dope. Cool. Um, send us an email, like uh, Paul did. Our new friend Paul. Um, BibleBudsPDX at gmail.com. All the links will be in the uh that there episode notes and uh what else is that all the things i hope everybody's doing all right out there you know staying afloat yeah strange times still um strange times for a full year now don't that just never not be strange again this is always gonna be strange yeah. strange is the new normal hmm great 
Well, that's a positive note to end on. It's something. Uh, something. Smoke, pray, love, everybody. Yeah. And then bless up, or as they say in this story, live forever. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.